This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is The Informer, Australia's only LGBTIQ plus national news and current affairs show. Proudly sponsored by KHQ Lawyers. Passionate about being the best. The show is it's a science comedy. Um, it's around gut bacteria and poo. Uh, I think poo is a great uniter. I think it's something we can all relate to uh, to awkward poo related experiences. But I think as well the science behind uh, gut bacteria and how that's actually our gut microbiome is impacting our health positively and negatively. The things that we can do to to help it along uh, is really interesting. It's a mix of science research. So we look at how you poo, why you poo, what's in your poo, uh, and and your gut microbiome, uh, which is two kilos of your full body weight. So it's a huge thing. And there's some really great research coming out about how a bacteria actually talks to your brain via this neural network. So I just really wanted to spend some time researching and understanding this because I think we've always, we talk about, I think the 20th century was all about discovering bacteria and killing it. And now uh, the 21st century is about realizing that we needed bacteria to actually be healthy and function properly. Do you have a science background? Yeah, um, I've got a master's in international public health and I've, I've worked in Uganda for a couple of years in HIV um, and malaria uh, prevention programs. Mm-hmm. Done a lot of work with communities um, and I just love the intersection between culture uh, and science and understanding how it how it works and why people do the things they do and, and how we can best sort of communicate science in a way that means something to people and is also fun and entertaining along the way. And what were you doing when you were in Uganda and... What's the other country? Uh, Kenya, Uganda, Cambodia. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I worked with local communities. We set up village health teams. We trained the teams in health literacy and worked to support them as they did um, sanitation campaigns. We got nurses out into remote um, villages to do, to do HIV education and testing mm-hmm. um, and set up micro enterprises uh, with malaria as well. So uh, supporting small business people to sell. Um, insecticide treated nets to try prevent malaria so it's a, it's definitely a, a challenging place to live in the world absolutely amazing place um, and I'm very glad to have had the experience <laughs> and so you, tell me about your show. What what will it be? I think one of the key motivations was a couple of years ago, I did a show called Parasites Lost, uh, which was about all the parasites I'd contracted uh, while working in different communities, teaching communities how to prevent contracting parasites, <laughs> including malaria. Um, and then when I was researching it, it came out that... Uh, there's some evidence to suggest that if we have parasites, uh, our immune systems uh, attack those parasites, obviously. But people in countries with higher rates of parasites have lower rates of allergies. So there's a suggestion now that hyperimmune responses like asthma, like hay fever, like Crohn's disease might actually be the result of a hyperactive immune system that's got nothing to attack, like isn't in because. In 
we've basically evolved to be constantly under the bombardment yep. of, of bacteria and pathogens and parasites. So when you actually take those parasites and pathogens and bacteria out of the picture, our immune system tends to turn on itself and actually attack mm. our, our benign healthy cells. So this is sort of what led me on the path to this show, the Gut Bacteria Show, where I want to learn more about what bacteria is good, how it sort of plays into our, um, our health and our well-being, and yeah, what we can do to look after it. And is it it's a musical? <laughs> no, it's just a science comedy. Uh, I'll uh, I won't inflict my singing voice on <laughs> on the audience. I don't deserve that. <laughs> Can you talk about the plot at all, or where it's going, or is it still a little bit too much in development? Yeah, it, it's sort of. I guess it's a it's a weird format because it's a mix of. Um, I guess science education when I'm like, what, how does the two sphincters work? Uh, actually need to align for us to, to, uh, defecate, um, talk about bits and pieces. Like there's some amazing research showing that dogs defecate on a North South axis, which is insane. And we, we don't really know why that is. Um, so it's sort of bits and pieces of, of scientific research interspersed with some of my own, uh, more traumatic pooing experiences or being locked in latrines in, in uh, remote places and I feel like I've tra- I've spent a lot of my uh, 20s traveling and I feel like everyone has that story I've met people who've had emergency situations where they've had to uh, go to the toilet out the window of a train I've met people who've um, had to squat in front of the post office in the center of, of Delhi uh, which is I think literally the most population dense point on earth it's something that uh, when you're meeting people when you're traveling everyone has a story mm. everyone has a moment of of, uh, of humiliation, I guess. But I guess one of the key themes is actually like, if it's something that we've all experienced, why do we have this taboo about poo? Uh, something that's very natural. We, we yeah. sort of, I've uh, sort of, as I've reached out to various people to uh, review this show, I've had quite a few people write back say, sounds great, we will not review it. And that's very, <laughs> very, very strange mm. for reviewers to actually respond like that. And it's it's literally still a very taboo topic. People don't want to talk about it. There's so much to explore through it. I mean, concepts of privacy, we have um, very rigid concepts about where you can poo. I know uh, various people who refuse to poo in any any bathroom other than their own. So they'll actually go home to use their bathroom. Um, but of course, yeah, in countries like China and other and Korea and other parts of the world, it's a, it's a communal place. Um, and those those perceptions that you have to be completely by yourself are just absolutely uh, almost a Western luxury, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, in yeah. South Korea, um, if you go into public toilets or really any sort of large toilet, um, there's often a little thing that you can push. So if you're going to, you know, make some sound, yeah. push it, and there's like birds tweeting or something yeah. to cover up, <laughs> cover up the noises. So you've got the full spectrum there. You've got the sort of public toilets, which are sometimes just a concrete. It's really interesting. Some of the research shows that I mean, almost every culture on Earth has taboos around around waste, um, but uh, the sense of disgust that we associate with poo uh, doesn't apply to kids under the age of two. So. There's no signs that, you know, a one and a half year old or a two year old will actually find any sort of will be disgusted by poo, which means we've learnt it culturally. Yeah. And so that's that's fascinating to me. That means 
these these are cultural constructs that you know societies that learned to separate and sort of control and um, distinguish uh, bodily functions uh, prob- maybe have had more success um, avoiding disease over the years. Well, yeah, I mean it's certainly a good you know just a good basic hygiene thing that you know yeah if you touch this then you eat food no yeah and then in arab culture if you you're supposed to just use your right hand for Uh clean things and your left hand for your bomb and other things yeah everyone's really strict and that's why you know criminals would often get their right hand cut off Ah. so they had to be constantly humiliated Yeah, a bit of the show I actually look back to all of the sacred texts, the the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the the Torah, um, the Bible, and every single sort of ancient text has mm-hmm. something at some point that says you have to don't don't do that in the camp. You have to go outside the camp. You have to walk over the hill. People have put in those rules pretty early on to make sure that. You know, mm. we, our bodily functions are separate from uh, the place that we live, we eat and sleep. And there's been some really interesting, um, like fossil findings, and I yeah. just thought about this one the other day that I read. I don't know, like ten years ago, and it said that people had found uh, like fossilized remains of a meal and and poo, and the meal was like bread, cheese, and some kind of fermented alcohol yeah. thing. And it's like, oh, pizza yeah. and beer, kind of like the world's oldest meal. Exactly. What's fascinating is that different uh, societies ha- have different gut bacteria. Mm. So, so Japanese people have specific gut bacteria that's really good at breaking down seaweed, and Germans have particularly good bacteria that breaks down wheat and, and and those sorts of grain products. And the question is, what came first? You know, were the specific strains? The theory is, and we're still looking for evidence, but it looks like the gut bacteria sends messages to the brain. So if you eat specific foods that are good for that strain of bacteria, they'll send reward messages to the brain. <laughs> so you'll uh, learn to want and eat that food. So we think about the foods that we we love. It might not even be us. It might actually just be our gut bacteria. They want that particular food. Mm, that's really interesting. It's fascinating. And there's, you know, the research around uh, transplants. And yeah. then, you know, that's become a big non-regulated thing in some areas. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it's nuts. Again, we've still got uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop like uh, advocating for colonic irrigation. Um, on the other side, we've got uh, people who are using fecal transplants to treat everything. And the evidence is incredible. We know now there's been two huge studies in Europe that show that people with clinical depression are missing specific strains of gut bacteria. Mm. Um, certain uh, behaviors can be treated in, in people experiencing autism that actually uh, change some of the more challenging aspects over uh, like two years after a fecal transplant. So it's it's been... Uh, there's suggestions that um, metabolic functions of different bacteria will actually impact you. So people who've received uh, fecal transplants from overweight donors have then put on weight and vice versa. So Mm. all these things uh, that we have always attributed to other things, to the brain, to our metabolism, uh, you know, we're now starting to see that the gut is a huge component that's influencing how we think, how we feel, um, our whole body, really. Mm-hmm. It's just really interesting. It sure is. 
Um, going back to colonic irrigation, I, there was a great story that came out in January about a broadcaster who went to Bali and she said that she really wanted to get an enema there because they're cheaper here. So people will kind of try everything. It's true. And I feel like it's, it's sort of been, you know, my childhood and my teenhood Everything was about killing the bacteria. It was about sprays. It was about antibacterial hand washes and, and wipes. And, you know, every ad on television is about antiseptic um, sponges and, yep. you know, and, and, and I feel like the, the health and well, or the wellbeing industry sort of tra- uh, extended that to, to our, our colon and suggested that we needed to flush it out. Mm. But now we know that, um, you know, your guts, the bacteria in, in your intestines makes two thirds of your hormones. It's making your immune cells. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's most of your immune system. It's actually producing 10% of your nutrients in the gut. Mm. So if you're flushing it out, you're actually taking away the hard little workers who are keeping you alive and keeping you happy and healthy. Have you seen the cloaca in at Mona in Hobart? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so for the listeners, the cloaca is this machine sculpture that simulates the human uh, d- digestive system. And it got like some... The, like the child of the the sculptor or whatever, like had some other gut bacteria stuck in to sort of fertilize the sculpture, and yeah. then every day it gets fed, and then like four <laughs> hours later it has a poo, and it's one of the most spectacular things because people clap when it has a poo. I love that it's it's very delicate as well, and mm. um, and it, it has that smell like the whole room just yeah. a bit, ooh. <laughs> and it gets constipated sometimes. Does it? Yeah, the machine has got constipated. <laughs> Which is not something they really have to do with any of the other installations at Mona. So what other kind of things are you working on? I run a science comedy debate called Sci-Fight. It's a lot of fun. I bring together scientists and comedians and uh, we, we sometimes pick quite serious issues and we just debate about it in a, in a ridiculous way at Howler, just up the road in Brunswick. Um, and it's a lot of fun because the scientists worry that they're not funny enough and the comedians always worry that they're not sciencey enough. And I spend a lot of time um, explaining to everyone that it wasn't a mistake that I asked them, that they're perfectly supposed to be there mm. um, but we just we just did one for uh, the sustainable living festival with RMIT the topic was to panic or not to panic um, to mark climate emergency month and uh, it was a lot of fun and it's not a topic that's easy to have a lot of fun with because it's particularly after the bushfires people are very stressed and very mm-hmm. it's touched pretty much everyone um, but you know, that's one of the beauties of comedy is that uh, one of our ways of dealing with, with trauma and darkness and our own mortality is to laugh at it. And that's been a human survival mechanism since day dot, I think. For your upcoming show mm-hmm. on the origin of feces, what are the, the dates that it'll be on? Yeah, it'll be on um, in the first half of Melbourne Comedy Festival, the 24th of March to the 4th of April. No, no Sundays. So there's 11 shows and I'll be on at Globe Alley, which is just in Chinatown, which has got a great bar, uh, live music some nights and um, really good food there as well. So you can make a night of it. You can come learn all about gut bacteria and also have a, have a good feed. 
And if we want to find out more about SciFight, mm-hmm. how can we find out more? Yeah, if you type in SciFight, which is C-S-C-I-F-I-G-H-T dot com dot A-U, you can find my website and uh, all the details of upcoming SciFights will be there. <laughs> Our next SciFight is on April 30 uh, at Howler. And- We'll be debating whether or not scientists go to heaven. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.